Welcome to Still Pretty, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast from Chipperish Media. I'm film scholar Noella Croy. And I'm story expert Lonnie Diane Rich, and we are here today to talk about The Body, the 16th episode of season five. The Body aired on February 27th, 2001, and was written and directed by Joss Whedon. The Body is a seminal episode of Buffy and of television. Like Hush previously and Once More with Feeling, which will come in season six, it is both part of Buffy and separate from it. Today's discussion will be centering on, of course, grief. And as we record this episode, we are sensitive to the global grief we're all experiencing to different degrees as a pandemic cuts through our world. We're grieving deeply and personally, and we're grieving collectively. We're grieving our loved ones, our society, and the world as we knew it. That's a difficult, necessary process. But as we discuss this episode, we wanted to give anyone who needed it the chance to back out, save it for later, or maybe skip it entirely. But for those of you who would like to walk through this episode with us, we're going to discuss the body. All right. So, Noel, one of the things that I noticed um, in this episode is that it really reads like um, like five one act plays. Right. Um, mm-hmm. They they're all together. They're all linked, but they also kind of work separately. So what I was thinking is that we would go through each one um, and talk about each one individually and then kind of uh, summarize our, our overall impressions of the body. Um, so one of the things that I did notice also um, with these five one act plays, and it is it's possible I might have, you know, massaged these a little bit to make them fit. But I think they, I think they kind kind of map pretty well, um, is I was thinking about um, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's five stages of grief, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm going to name them for the five stages of grief, partially because I think there is something of a map here. I don't know if that was deliberate or not. Um, And partially because uh, it just makes me feel really good to have like a structure and a framework in things. Um, That is the influence of the wonderful Dr. Kelly Jones, uh, who has been making me better at everything I do since 2017. Um, All right. So act one is uh, what I would call denial. Uh, Mm -hmm. Buffy comes home and finds Joyce on the couch. Joyce has clearly already died, uh, but Buffy is in shock. She calls 911. She tries to administer CPR. She cracks Joyce's ribs in one of the most like harrowing, harrowing things that has ever happened. That's really hard. Uh, She waits for the ambulance. She refuses to understand when the 911 operator calls Joyce the body. Uh, The EMTs arrive. They try to resuscitate Joyce. Buffy flashes on a future where Joyce is fine. She's Fine, but in the moment, the EMTs call it, and they tell Buffy her mother is dead, and they tell yeah. her not to disturb the body, and Buffy doesn't respond to that, right? Um, so she uh, she goes, she throws up on the carpet, she stares out the back window, then Giles arrives, sees Joyce, and rushes toward her, and Buffy shouts that they're not supposed to disturb the body, and in that moment, her denial is finally over, and her mother is dead. Um, so that is uh, Act One, right? Uh, the denial yeah. act. And um, there is so much about this that is powerful. I've actually used this episode um, in my television production classes uh, to show the incredible power of of choice within mm-hmm. a story, within a film, that that how you frame a shot, how you light a shot. Oh my God, the sound design, which is a whole other thing um, with this episode of Buffy. Um, how incredibly powerful that is. And you with your background in film, 
film. Um, I'm really interested in kind of hearing your thoughts on how you felt the production of this act really worked. Oh my gosh. There's so, there's so, so much Mm -hmm. in this. Um, Something that I wanted to say last week and didn't get to because there just wasn't really a good moment. Um, But it doesn't, it doesn't actually matter because it's more relevant here is that, that, that scene that brings us into the episode, which is exactly how last week's episode ended, right? Mm-hmm. We overlap with right. this scene of Buffy coming home to find flowers, first of all, mm-hmm. which is really chilling when you know yes. that there's going to be a dead body mm-hmm. because there are very few times um, that we routinely send flowers. And one of those is for, of yeah. course, for, you know, death. Mm-hmm. But that scene of Buffy coming home, to me, reads like morning. Yeah. And we know it's afternoon because Buffy calls up to see if Joyce wants right. her to pick Dawn up from school. Mm-hmm. So it's got to be afternoon. But yeah. something about the way it's lit, something about the way it's... It does. I don't it know. It does feel like that. There's something about that that feels like morning, which I feel like is really appropriate here because this is a kind of beginning yes um not just the beginning of the episode but the beginning of this transition for Mm -hmm. Buffy yeah that is I don't know I want your I want your story expert opinion on this because we get that opening scene that was our closing scene last week yes and then we go to opening credits how jarring was that oh my god I had oh to my skip God. them. I had to like in the in the uh, streaming, I, I watch it on Hulu and I had to like zip through them because we have this moment. First of all, one of the things that they do, I think, which is beautifully done, uh, is they have no sound, right? I mean, yeah. well, no, that's not true. They have tons of sound. They have beautiful sound design, but it's it's all natural sound. There's no mm-hmm. um, there's no like music, and music is always yeah. used to tell us how to feel, but also to make us feel comfortable, right? Music in a show makes you, or in a in a film, in a video, makes you feel more comfortable. And when there is a lack of music, um, you're sort of left to try to figure out how you're supposed to feel on your own. And it is really, uh, it can be really jarring. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the lack of music um, in this episode, the lack of that kind of underlying sound design that's kind of like walking you through by the hand emotionally through um, through a scene is not here. What we get, though, is this, we have this very, very stark lighting in a lot of this, uh, this part of the show, this part of the episode, um, where we see Buffy's face, and it is it is very, like, um, overlit, and she's got that sheen mm-hmm. of sweat, you know, when she looks out the back door and the outside, the it's so bright, and you can't really it's see so the details. Sunny. Yeah. Um, and you all you hear are these wind chimes going, you know. Um, so all of these things um, combine to make this opening um, section feel um, surreal and and somewhat oppressive you know it's yeah. it's really tough and that that the credits the bouncy rock ballad credits <laughs> always feel it's- so jarring in the middle of that space right well and it's an interesting transition to from Buffy coming home, the scene that, yes, you know, especially, especially if you're, if you are binge watching and you're going back to back to back, you get to watch this really difficult scene 
of realization twice. And then you get opening credits. And then post-opening credits, we flash back to Christmas. Yeah. Which I think is such an interesting choice. Mm -hmm. um, Because it wasn't the last time that everyone was together. Mm -hmm. But it could easily feel like the last time. Yeah. Um, I mean, and there's something there's something really significant, I think, about that, that Christmas dinner and Mm -hmm. that family around the table kind of set up because, you know, as they're talking about Santa Claus and the myth and the reality of that and growing up. Um, Buffy follows Joyce into the kitchen and they're clearing the dishes. She's literally following in her mother's footsteps. Yep. And there's something about making that transition from child to adult that I think is really lovely in foreshadowing what's about to happen Mm -hmm. as she, as Buffy has to move from being a community member, essentially, with her friends Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. being a true matriarch yeah um and it's a little you know it's some like gender norms Mm -hmm. a little bit right because we're going into the kitchen to get the pie um and it's such a wonderful it's such a wonderful jarring crash you know when Mm -hmm. they yeah yeah they're, they're joking around they drop the pie there's this crash and then we cut to Joyce's lifeless face. And that's yeah. what brings us into this scene of mm-hmm. Buffy grappling with the reality of the situation. But yeah. that flashback, I know flashbacks are not your favorite thing. Uh, and Generally not. I think that the flashes in, in this section serve a real purpose. As long as flashbacks serve a purpose. Flashbacks I don't like when they are simply used to exposit. You know, because we can't, we feel like there's information that the audience needs to know. And we don't do it. We don't get that information across in a way that is elegant. We go to like, let's show it happening in the past, you know. And um, so flashbacks tend to annoy me. Here, I feel like the flashback and the flashes into fantasy that we see from Buffy a little bit later as she she imagines a world in which everything's okay, you know. Um, Right. That these serve a very, very real purpose that that Buffy, while she's staring at her mother and trying to process all of this stuff, that her mind is going to her mother being alive and vibrant and well and part of a family celebration that she is, you know, going back, forcefully bringing herself back to a place where her mother was there and alive and safe. You know, mm-hmm. um, and that I think is, first of all, a really um, accurate representation, I think, of everybody experiences grief differently. Uh, everybody sure. experiences everything differently. Um, but I think that uh, that from my own personal experience of grief. Uh, that's absolutely something that has happened to me where I've just in, in a moment where it is impossible to uh, to be in the world as it is, you go back to a place where it was the way it was supposed to be. And um, mm-hmm. even if just for a second. And so to have that contrast and to have that warmth and the contrast, and we've got like the, you know, um, the funny, and it's a normal, like there's music, there's, there's you know, warm yeah. sound. Uh, everything is is wonderful and loving and, and family, you know. And then that gives us even more of a stark contrast with the current moment where Buffy is fighting every 
second, every frame of this act, Buffy is fighting against this reality until she finally yeah. says, we're not, we're told not to disturb the body, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It also gives us this amazing bit of uh, an amazing opportunity to kind of parallel the movement through the yeah. house, right? Mm-hmm. So we see Buffy leave the dining room in this Christmas flashback and where she's walking toward us, toward the yeah. camera. And then when she, you know, when it's, it's, she's called mm-hmm. uh, Giles, you know, the, the morgue is on their way or the, yeah, they're, mm-hmm. they're going to come to pick up Joyce mm-hmm. and Buffy leaves the living room and walks into the kitchen. We're behind her. We follow mm-hmm. her in this really, Almost it's it's it feels jarring for the show and not just because we have only diegetic sound and no mm-hmm. background music. Right. But it's handheld and it feels very shaky. And then mm-hmm. as she goes to vomit, she drops out a frame yeah. in this way that's really uncharacteristic of the show. But it puts us so mm-hmm. deeply into her point of view. And I think that that just from a production standpoint, from a directorial perspective, Mm -hmm. that's something that this first act does beautifully when the paramedic is talking to Buffy and he's kind of, he comes into frame and he's sort of blurry. And then Mm -hmm. we get a classic shot reverse shot, but it's framed so strangely in one shot you know, when we're looking at her, she's almost eclipsed out of the frame because it's just this like yeah. looming presence of this person who's delivering. And we don't you know. see his whole face either. Everything yep. is um, is segmented. Everything mm-hmm. is cut off. And that is a very like real, I think, experience of shock too. Like in yes. shock, you experience tiny details, but you don't experience a whole picture, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so that is something that I think is a very accurate representation and just beautifully done. And it also puts her in this very childlike position mm-hmm. of not, you know, not seeing his eyes because mm-hmm. he's so he's out of frame right also gives us the impression that he's very very tall and she's very very small yes. mm-hmm. which of course is a great another great you know deep pov experience mm-hmm. of her feeling powerlessness and this kind of childishness there's this there's a there's a there's a childishness that plays mm-hmm. through this first act yeah. that I really love. You know, of course, her first line, you know, that brings us into what's going to be the action yeah. of the scene is that she reverts from mom to mommy mm-hmm. oh, before God. she goes to shake Joyce yeah. and try to revive her. But when she's on the phone, the the minute I'm fu- – <laughs> first of all, I love this episode. Mm-hmm. Which is a f- really strange thing to say about something that <laughs> is so wonderful. difficult to watch. Yeah. But I'm fine mm-hmm. emotionally <laughs> until she's on the phone and the 911 operator asks her if she knows how to administer CPR. And she says in this baby voice, I don't remember, yeah. which is so heartbreaking because it. I mean, it brings us into this through line that Buffy will have throughout the episode of, I should know what to do. Like, Mm -hmm. I have this idea that I should know what to do. Right. And I want to do the right thing because that's the kind of person that I am. Mm -hmm. But I don't 
I know I, I should know this, but I don't. Yeah. I don't know or I don't remember. Mm-hmm. And when she says, I don't remember. Yeah. It's, I don't know. There's something about that, about feeling like you should have a handle on the situation. Right. And yet, you know, yeah. there's nothing. Mm-hmm. There, There's nothing that could yeah. prepare someone for this. Yeah. Um, you know, and then she, we get this beautiful depiction of shock mm-hmm. when she says she she says very calmly to the 911 operator i have to make a call and then yeah. she calls giles and she's so like no affect yeah. right and we're just on her face super super tight close up after we get this wild tight close up on the phone yeah it's so it looks again it looks like comically large which yeah I, I mean, and that a is a comic book style framing, too, of that kind yeah. of detail. That is a very comic book thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's ridiculously yeah. out of proportion because mm-hmm. there's all of this, there's this like emotional zooming in mm-hmm. and zooming out yeah. that happens. You know, mm-hmm. when the paramedics take off and they're going out the door and she says, good luck. Yeah. You know, once oh, again, God. it's this big zoom out. She has gone from the tight, tight close-up of pulling down Joyce's skirt Mm -hmm. and the tight, tight close-up of handling the phone and the tight, tight close-up of looking at the machinery to kind Mm -hmm. of gauge for a heartbeat to there's a whole world out there and life goes on. Yeah. And these guys have another, this is their job. Yeah. This is, they're at work. They have another job that they have to go to. And And Buffy is so ready in that moment to go with them. Good luck. (laughs) Right? She's going with them. She's living in their experience in the moment and empathizing with them because her experience is too hard to be in. Yeah. You know, and it's so beautifully expressed. I love that. And this moment, uh, you know, shortly after where she goes to the back door mm-hmm. and opens the back door and we get all of the sounds of the neighborhood and she looks so yeah. shocky mm-hmm. and out of it. The overexposure of that lighting on her face really reminds me of the desert yeah. in Restless. Yes. And I'm not I'm not 100% sure what to say about that other than... Mm-hmm there it is and I see it and I don't you know I mean you could go into all kinds of like um wordplay Mm -hmm. sort of visual like it's almost a visual pun of being in the desert or being deserted or Mm -hmm. just the you know just how oppressive the outside world could feel Mm -hmm. in that moment but I don't have you know I don't have like a nice summation of what that lighting is doing um, it's it's it is a reference though you know like it's bringing you back to this um to this previous experience this it's this memory of of Buffy and Restless and what that was you know like for her and and um and that dream sequence almost feel to it like it does feel really surreal um but going back to what you were saying about how it's hard to to think about how you love the body right you know yeah. Um, 
I think that that's, uh, first of all, like, yeah, uh, of course. Like, I love The Body. I think it's an amazing episode of television. That doesn't mean it's not a really difficult episode. Um, But what I love about it is that it does what fiction is made to do. A big part of what fiction. Fiction does a lot of things. I mean, You, you want me to talk about to go over to how story works where I talk about how amazing <laughs> stories are right um, but one of the things that fiction does is it gives us a, a chance and a space to process our own human experiences that we are unable to process in our own lives you know um, which is part of the reason why when there is a trauma that somebody experiences um, in television film and movies and whatever narrative you're engaging with um, when there is a trauma I get very, very angry when that trauma is erased. Um, mm-hmm. When we use it for the excitement and the titillation and that that rush of adrenaline, and then we don't process it all the way through. Because what this is doing is this is processing this experience all the way through. Instead of using Joyce's death like a fridge, right? Where mm-hmm. where she dies and we use that trauma that um, we use that grief to like motivate our character or whatever, right? Um, we are using Joyce's death to process the idea of death in a show in which death happens every single week. And it's not yep. always human death. I mean, sometimes it is. Um, a lot of times it's just, you know, I mean, like her title is The Slayer. Right. You know, I mean, she slays demon after demon after demon after demon and they're demons. So we don't value their lives. Right. Um, But there are people that die in in the high school years. There were children that died. Right. And we never went deep into those experiences. We never looked at them deeply because these were, you know, sub characters. These were just, you know, death. And and Buffy's focus was to protect people from that, to prevent that. And so she killed all these monsters in order to do that. And that was fine. Like, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. When we have a death or a trauma or something that happens like within the core group. Right. Um that matters to us it is so important to do this kind of processing to experience that trauma to experience that grief because even as i'm watching this right i'm i'm combing through the tangles of my own grief i'm combing through the tangles of my own shock and my own trauma and it heals it a little bit that's what fiction has the mm-hmm. fucking power to do. It's unbelievable, right? <laughs> so when we yeah. erase that trauma, and the thing is, is that that's one of the problems with um, seeing red in season six, um, where we're mm-hmm. we're going to get to that um, in, uh, in you know in a while. Um, but when we get where, there, yeah. But where Spike attempts to rape Buffy, right? Um, mm-hmm. My problem with this is not that Spike does this because Spike is a vampire; he doesn't have a soul. Uh, this is pretty on brand for Spike. It's not what we want from him. We want better from him, but it's pretty on brand. Um, and uh, and so when Spike attempts to do that to Buffy, um, we kind of erase Buffy's trauma from that sexual assault. We've actually erased Buffy's trauma from a number of sexual assaults throughout the run of this show. And when we do that, I get very, very frustrated because uh, that's an important thing to to if you're going to have the assault 
you need to have the process of the trauma so that people who have experienced that can comb through that trauma and heal it a little bit. Um, and instead, what we get is, uh, you know, I mean, Buffy's upset for a little bit, you know, and then it's and then, you know, bigger things happen and whatever, you know, um, <laughs> it, it gets uh, a lot of stuff happens. Um, but uh but we don't really process that. And we kind of erase her trauma. We erase the trauma that happens to her when she is sexually assaulted. She's sexually assaulted a number of times throughout the course of this show. Um, so anyway, all of that to say, um, the body does it right. The body gives you yeah. a space to process all of that. The body does one of the most elevated purposes of fiction you know, in, in our human experience. And I think that that is so incredibly valuable. So loving the body, even when terrible things happen to Joyce, um, right. is, is perfectly fine. You should love it. It's an amazing piece of work. Yeah. I mean, it's always an interesting, it's always an interesting discussion to have. Mm -hmm. I think when you talk about, you know, something being a favorite piece of media, when it's very, very dark or very yeah. tragic or deeply disturbing. So in is some life. Way. Life is all yep. of those things. <laughs> yep. And I think the there's there is a kind of favorite that is this mm -hmm. is fucking delightful. Yeah. And then there's the favorite that is this is this feels right. Yeah. This feels how this feels. Mm -hmm. Um you know, we we keep coming back to talking about the lack of any sort of non-diegetic music. Yeah. And I was, as I was watching this episode, I was thinking about, you know, when you watch something, when you watch something harrowing mm -hmm. and the music is, you know, big and dramatic and whatever, there there is a kind of safety net there. Yes. Even when you're watching something that is, you know, right. tragic or grisly or brutal – Non-diegetic music, music mm -hmm. that does not exist in the world of yes. the film or the show. Mm -hmm. Music that is added then to the soundtrack, yes. Mm -hmm. It gives you this kind of sense of safety. Mm -hmm. Like this is contained within yes. fiction. Whereas mm -hmm. I think part of what makes the body so effective uh -huh. in so many ways is that it doesn't feel contained right. within fiction. It feels very... Mm -hmm. genuine yep. and it addresses this thing that does not get addressed a lot in media which is real death what it's mm -hmm. really like when someone dies yep. and what happens to their remains yeah and that's a hard conversation to have mm -hmm. and i mean we'll get to willow and anya when we get there mm -hmm. but willow yelling at anya for asking the questions that yeah, we all kind of want to ask feels very emblematic of this episode and the way it approaches yeah. death from natural causes. Is this the first time on Buffy that someone has died not as a result of demonic or supernatural activity? Is this the first? I think so. I, I think, think it's it the is. first like mundane death. 
you know, yeah. as, 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 as much as we can say mundane, right? I yeah, mean, well, mundane, mundane as opposed to magical, you know? Yeah, I was going to mm-hmm. say mundane meaning not magical. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that it is. Um, everybody else got eaten by a giant snake or something similar. So, um, right. yeah. yeah. So I think that, and also everybody else is, is, is enough removed, you know, enough removed from the core group that like it doesn't have this this kind of of impact, you know, that that the, yeah. the death of Joyce really does. Um, so uh, so I think that the expression of this, um, the the way it is uncomfortably presented with that, we're not given music to walk us through and say, this is how you're supposed to feel right now. So feel this mm-hmm. way, right? We have yep. to we have to address our own emotional space, you know, in in this episode we have to figure it out we have to experience it rather than be told and like led through it which is what uh non-diegetic music does you know mm-hmm. um and uh and it really is i think so incredibly powerful that they they made that choice it is it is a, a episode of television that commands your attention and your participation you can't passively watch the body yes yes no, that's a great way of expressing it. You really have no choice but to participate in yeah. watching it and experiencing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a, that. Yeah. 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 It really is. It's um, it's incredibly powerful. So we move from this first act, right, um, into the second act, which is anger. Uh, Dawn is at school. She's upset about a girl uh, in her class who was spreading rumors about her cutting herself. She goes back to her art class and flirts with a boy named Kevin as they draw a negative space around the figure of a woman's body. Uh, Buffy shows up and takes Dawn out into the hallway. She tells Dawn and Dawn is angry. She calls Buffy a liar. She cries. She falls to the ground as her friends watch from the art room. Um, And this is the thing. uh, Dawn's scene here. um, When Buffy tells Dawn, when Dawn crashes to the ground while her classmates watch, and we are seeing from the perspective of the classmates, right? We are kept at a distance in that moment. And I think there's something about that distance, um, that perspective, that that, uh, out of body you know, perspective yep. um, that is such an unusual de- decision because usually you want to go further and closer into the tragic moment. But watching it from a distance, I think, is always that is always the moment that I start just fucking weeping, you know, um, is when Buffy and oh, God, Buffy's face when she has to tell Dawn. Oh, God, it's so it's- awful. It's really rough. Mm-hmm. It's really, really rough. Um, you know, especially because before all of this, before Buffy comes to school, Dawn is having a bad day. Like, she's yeah. not having a good day at school. No. She's, you know, we cut from zipping Joyce into a body bag to Dawn crying in the bathroom at school. And but of think, course, she doesn't right. know what has happened yet. She's crying about this girl in her class who is, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. well, she's crying. She's crying about the boy, this boy that she yeah. likes having called her, her Freaky. weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what it is. Yeah. Freaky. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then she and her friend are talking about, you know, this girl in her class yeah. is spreading rumors and mm-hmm. all of that. And she's have, I mean, she's having a rough, yeah, she's having a rough time. Yeah. She's, she's having a rough time before any of this happens. Mm-hmm. And, there's something about being close 
you know, physically with her yes. in those moments. And she's having this very like emotionally intense, mm-hmm. but pretty normal yeah. day, um, you know, and where we have our standard close ups of her until Buffy comes to collect her from class mm-hmm. and then takes her out into the hallway. And I don't know. I I watched the episode once with subtitles on and mm-hmm. once with them off. Yeah. And I actually, I, I did it in what I think was the wrong order. I think mm-hmm. I needed to watch it with the subtitles off first because at least through my headphones, when Buffy and Dawn are talking in the hallway in that long shot through the glass, mm-hmm. there's no audible dialogue. Yeah. You can hear kind of the muffled mm-hmm. sounds and there is written dialogue. Yeah. Um, you know, they have, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not... Um, ad-libbed yeah they are saying you know lines to each other Mm -hmm. that we're just not hearing but the at least on my machine Mm -hmm. the subtitles do subtitle what dawn is saying yeah in that long shot and i kind of wish they hadn't done that right Mm -hmm. um because having that removal of her reaction Mm -hmm. especially after we've had her in close-up saying I think she says it's serious, but she's fine. Mm-hmm. Right. And right. then we go mm-hmm. to long shot and getting Dawn's reaction from a distance yeah. through glass and seeing her classmates and her teacher's reaction to what's going on. Oddly, oh. this is the closest I have ever felt to Dawn. Yeah. Yeah. No. Which is I understand a that. testament to the power. Again, it's a little bit of a picture in a picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's. You know, we're looking at this scene of tragedy through glass Mm -hmm. in the same way that we have been watching the tragedy through the glass, you know, formerly of our television screens. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a it's another one of those beautiful fictionalized reality type moments. It Mm -hmm. really demonstrates how it feels. And I love Anytime we get some physical separation from characters who are going through whatever they're going through, Mm -hmm. because what you as the viewer are imagining Mm -hmm. is often so much more more effective Mm -hmm. than what is going on on an actor's face. Yes. Um, Which is not to say that the acting here is not top notch. I mean, if you had any doubts Mm -hmm. up to this point that these young actors are. Yeah. Extremely talented. I mean, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm like, I just want to start handing out Emmys. Like, it's, it's amazing. Masterful. It's amazing. It's so good. But your work that you're right that, um, that it, it makes you lean in, right? When you put distance, like as a as a director, um, when you have like a real tight close up on somebody and you've got all of that and close ups, I mean, I'm uh, like, clearly you need to use close ups that that brings people in that draws people in. But there are times there are moments when if you put a little more distance, especially during a big, powerful moment, if you put a little more mm-hmm. distance, the, the result of that is that the audience kind of leans in. When the audience mm-hmm. leans in, they're more active, like you as an audience member are actively involved in building this narrative as it goes, you are reading it the whole time rather than having it read to you again that's what the music does the music reads it to you when the music is not there you have to read it that actively requires you to to lean in right um and i think that's one of the things that this episode really does beautifully is it does require the audience to lean in you know and to to um move closer 
in order to figure out, in order to see what Dawn is going through and what Dawn is experiencing. Um, and I think that's just beautifully done. I also love that here she is, she's taking this art class, right? Mm-hmm. And flirting with a floppy haired douchebag. Every, <laughs> every boy in the 90s and early aughts was a floppy haired douchebag. Um, it is the, it is the, the trope that just keeps on giving. Um, and so she's talking with this, you know, uh, floppy haired douchebag junior. And he seems sweet, though. Like, you know, he's, he's saying he's that he understands. He's empathizing. Fine. Yeah, he's he empathizing fine. with her experience. Like, you know, it's, it's fine. Um, but while they're doing that. They are drawing the negative space left by the figure of a woman, right? Right. A woman's body. So she's drawing, Uh like, the thing with negative space is that you're drawing what is not the object rather than what is the object. Mm -hmm. The object is not there, but the presence, the imprint of it is felt, you know, in the space that that is left around it. And um, and I thought that was like really nice. I mean, you know, there's an argument to be made that like, OK, a little on the nose, but all right, like, fine, you know, go ahead and be clear. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah, it. I mean, and it's super on the nose. And I think there are moments in this episode that are super, super on the nose. Mm-hmm. And that's Fine. Yeah, it's not a problem. It's fine. Like it gets us closer to it it gets us closer to mm-hmm. examining yeah. this thing that we're we are grappling with mm-hmm. collectively as a cast of fictional characters yes. and an audience. Mm-hmm. You know, we're very much in this together in grappling with yeah. you know, it's not her. Well, where did she go? Mm-hmm. You know? She right. was like there's, you know, Anya says there's this body and why can't she just get back in it? Yes. Like there's, and there's no, there's no comfortable answer. The answer. Right. Where does That she we go? get. Yeah. The, the answer that we get really is this idea of the negative space mm-hmm. around. Um, yeah. Which again, works into that long shot of Buffy and Dawn in the hallway, yeah. you know, showing them in space it's not just that they're mm-hmm. zoomed in on their emotions and close up and shot reverse shot it's this grieving mm-hmm. you know life goes on around them yeah high school is still there mm-hmm. they're you know don's class is still there yeah d- drawing the negative space around this figure mm-hmm. it's yeah it's on the nose but hell yeah, yeah. it's on the nose yeah yeah it is um yeah it's 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 really incredibly like an incredibly powerful scene um next we go into you know you brought up anya um and i think we've got a wonderful um one act play in bargaining right um so here's here's what happens here willow and tara are in willow's dorm room willow cannot decide what to wear nothing is right joyce loved a blue sweater and she can't find it and tara tries to comfort her xander and anya show up anya talks about joyce in a way that sounds cold and unfeeling but when willow finally shouts at her anya starts to cry she just wants to understand death doesn't make sense to her it is mortal and it is stupid she goes to sit on a papazan chair and pulls out the blue sweater willow was looking for but no one notices and she stuffs it in a drawer Xander gets angry and punches the wall Willow changes her top yet again and they all leave together for the morgue where they're meeting Buffy and Giles Um, so the bargaining 
um, section, I think, is uh, is so great in so many ways. And it feels like it feels like one long shot, even though there are edits, you know, within Mm -hmm. this. Um, But it has that that sense of a wonder, you know, that it's this Mm -hmm. one long shot. Um, And we open with Willow and Tara and Willow is trying to find something that she can wear and nothing is right. And she keeps looking for something new as though if she can pick the right thing, it'll somehow mm-hmm. make a difference. It'll somehow make it better. Um, yep. Or if she picks the wrong thing, that it'll make it worse, that there's consequences on this. Um, and I kind of love this. Oh, God. Ugh. It's so good. I know. It's so good. Mm-hmm. This is... When I talk about this episode feeling real, yeah, <laughs> right. This is the this is the act that I'm talking about specifically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels very very real. Mm-hmm. You know, Willow struggling to find something to wear is just heartbreaking. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. she's she's sure that if if only she had this blue sweater, right, it would make a difference. And I love I'm so grateful. It's not really a relief, but mm-hmm. it's almost there. I'm so, so grateful to the creative team that have Anya pull the blue sweater out from underneath her and stuff oh in the drawer because, you know, Willow's gonna find that later when it mm-hmm. matters less and yeah. when things have like calmed yeah. down. I'm like, there, but there's like this little bit of relief for me that's like, okay, yeah, like at some point you're gonna look back at this and be like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I wanted that blue sweater so much, and now I'm, you know, and now here it is. Now when I'm it better. Doesn't, it yeah. felt so important, and now here it is, and everything is, and now you know, yeah. a little bit calmer, not okay, but like, yeah, calmer. But oh, god, she's struggling so hard with this, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't purple doesn't mean something bad, and why do all of my shirts right. have to have stupid things on I them? Know. Her, who she is in that moment feels wrong because she doesn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. She wants her whole, her whole goal is to support Buffy and she doesn't know how to do it. And she doesn't feel like she's capable of doing what she needs to do. And of course, Tara, once again, with the perfect magic for the moment of just like being a loving presence in the room. Tara is And this so is our wonderful. first on-screen kiss for this I couple. I love it. Okay, it, it's it was way too long in coming. Like it was way yes. we waited way too long for this kiss. Um but that said, I do love that our first on-screen lesbian kiss is not sexually coded as isn't this titillating the way that we had the the hint of their suggestion of their kiss and restless which really irritated me um lesbian love is often filtered through the male gaze um Mm -hmm. which is something that i find um offensive and um as a straight person i find it offensive i find it really irritating well because as a as you know as a woman it's offensive or as a human as a human i mean come on you don't have to be lesbian to understand that 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 women people two people who love each other love each other with and it's not about anybody else and it shouldn't be filtered through anybody's fucking gaze um but we see that and had seen that up to this point a lot um and we filtered them through Xander's male gaze and restless right um and uh and to have this beautiful loving moment between them I I hate that it took us so long to get to the kiss, but if we had to wait that long, this one is the one. This is this is the kiss of my heart. It feels 
Okay. How do I, I want to express this so, so carefully right. and I'm probably still going to step in it, mm-hmm. but you know, here we go. Okay. Um, everyone who listens to this show knows that I have been like, I've, I'm on tarot willow kiss watch tarot willow (laughs) sex watch like it's kind of my whole right (laughs) it's kind of my whole thing and there were definitely opportunities Mm -hmm. for them to express their love physically yes on camera you know prior to this there were moments when that definitely would have made sense Mm -hmm. i mean we've seen them hold hands we've seen them snuggle Mm -hmm. we've seen them be very physically close we've seen them dance together and float above the dance floor like the fucking magical lesbian witches they are i know um but we haven't seen them kiss and part of you know and i've expressed frustration with that Mm -hmm. and this moment is so perfect in the lack of ceremony mm-hmm. that's involved, it is just a couple kissing the way couples kiss yes. in an emotionally charged yes. moment. Mm-hmm. It is phys- It is one partner offering physical yes. comfort and connection to the other in a way that has nothing to do with the sexes or the genders of the people involved. Right. And that is fantastic this is not we don't have a very special lesbian episode of buffy the vampire slayer where you know which was a thing that was a thing in the 90s and the early aughts there would be a very special episode where there would be a girl girl kiss and it was very sensational yes and it had nothing to do with relationships with real love and human connection and Mm -hmm. what i what I love about this is that there, you know, there's yeah. no fanfare. It's not there, othered. There's no fanfare. It's not othered. You know, yeah. this is exactly what loving relationship looks like. And the fact that it's two women is not what this is about, you know, yeah. and it's not. And it again, doesn't make it any more or less than anything else. And oh, it's. It's more, but only because it's Tara and Willow, not because well, they're yeah. gay. And it's more because it is so <laughs> it's more because Tara is so strong and loving a presence. Oh my god. I the dynamic again that that has nothing to do with mm-hmm. sex or gender of yeah. one partner holding it together while the other one falls apart. Yes. I mean, and that's it's just an expression like, of love, and it is a love yeah. story. And you know how I love a fucking love story. Um, yeah, it's I think one of the most beautiful moments, and I'm I'm you know I'm very pleased with it. It was just it's, it's so touching, you know, yeah. And it's beautifully mm-hmm. again, it's beautifully done, and it feels so authentic and not like shoehorned in mm-hmm. like oh and now we have to and know, here and is our lesbian kiss. kiss yes right exactly. it kind of happens and if you're not watching for it mm-hmm. it could almost pass you by i mean it's natural it's mundane <laughs> our yeah, magical lesbians yeah. have a mundane our magical kiss and lesbians it's beautiful. are mundane in their in their yes you know comfort with each other which is especially meaningful Mm -hmm. when you consider that magic and witchcraft have been the metaphor yes for their sexual relationship Mm -hmm. basically from the beginning of their relationship Mm -hmm. it's it's a 
it's a beautiful moment. And then it just, for me, continues yeah. in Tara's loving strength throughout this scene where everyone is struggling you know telling everyone that they should patrol for as long as it takes going to the laundry room to check Mm -hmm. for willow's blue top she knows it's not going to make a difference but you know but it does make a difference that she went to look for it like that makes a difference and that's what makes tara like the most amazing and the thing is like i i generally don't care for the capital g good characters you know um because they 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 usually are uh, an affectation they're not genuine they're like look at how good i am i'm so good tara has a a deep resonant goodness to her and it it is mm-hmm. part of her character and it is part of how she exists in the world and how she interacts with people and how she interacts with our characters and what she brings to this you know this group of people um and uh and she i adore um because she like and there's just something every time tara's on screen my heart feels like there's hope just for the mm-hmm. world, you know, and the fact that mm-hmm. Tara brings hope into every scene that she's in at a time when there isn't a lot of hope, <laughs> when hope yeah. seems to be at a premium, um, it feels wonderful. So like, yeah, she she gets a pass on that capital G goodness um, because she is so genuine with it. Well, in part of her goodness, we slowly, you know, we've been slowly unfolding mm-hmm. is tied to her experience of being. Yeah the odd one out yeah. in her family in mm-hmm. the wicca group in in the scoobies life, in yeah. the scoobies mm-hmm. she doesn't really she's the one who goes out and you know, again, wrestles it's with that, dawn yeah yeah and it's a little i mean it's a little bit tropey and like the capital g good character is the one who doesn't really fit in the world right. but at the same time i feel like just personally so many of the people i know who are the most mm-hmm compassionate and kind people have been through some shit yeah you know mm-hmm. have just horrible horrible yeah. backgrounds horrible yeah. stories um you know and willow willow expresses that mm-hmm. to tara in family when she says you know seeing where you come from makes me love you more yeah um mm-hmm. and seeing where tara comes from really shines a light on what she's able to bring to everyone around mm-hmm. her yeah and it's just i mean that's it's freaking magic it's i love amazing. i love tara so much it's so wonderful. i actually love everyone in this scene though i feel I for do. everyone in this scene i do xander the least but uh, but everyone uh, pretty much but, <laughs> xander. but xander i mean yeah if this is our bargaining act mm-hmm. right this is we're in bargaining yeah oh god poor xander when he's so he is so mm-hmm. what upset and yeah. wants to point the finger somewhere, and he's like, "It's the doctors. Yeah. <laughs> they just send her home." With you know, he refuses to just let it be that to accept sh- right yeah. shit happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shit happens, and people die. Mm-hmm. But he's so that that like. I have all of these feelings and I need to put them somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 
I mean, it's not my favorite when he punches the wall, yeah. but when when Tara pops in and just is like, did I miss something? <laughs> and Anya says, Xander decided he blames the wall. Oh. <laughs> it's just like, it's oh, so, God. Yeah. yeah. So the reaction because of the people around him around the wall is is, is great yeah. him punching the wall um there were a couple things about Sandra. i loved his his you know trying to find the place trying to find somebody to blame somewhere to put it somewhere to make it make sense like i liked that with xander um i liked when he double parks and he's like let him give me a ticket and then of course the end yeah. shot is that overhead shot he of them getting ticket. the ticket you know um the thing i didn't like i love anya's uh, process Anya's like uh, journey through this scene where she's saying all these things like are we going to see the body are they going to cut her open and then Willow just yeah. yells at her and she's like I just want it to make sense it's mortal and it's stupid um, why can't she just go back in you know like what is yeah. it that takes her away and I find that interesting coming from somebody who lived uh, you know for millennium and was was human for a certain time in that yeah and was human when when the people... responsibility mm-hmm. of dealing with the body of someone who had died was the family's responsibility, it was the community's responsibility. And the mortality rate was so much higher. There's no way she made it yeah. to 20 without interacting with a number of dead bodies, you know? Without, yeah, without, and without losing someone yeah. close enough mm-hmm. that she would have had to have some interaction. Yeah. With the idea of someone you knew yeah. dying. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, her, oh God, her monologue about not understanding oh, and, God. you know, I was having fruit punch and Joyce will never have fruit punch again. Like oh, those minor mm-hmm. details that become so huge. Yeah. It's in so the good. experience of grief. It's when so it good. hits you. Mm-hmm. That, oh, you know, yeah, Joyce loved this blue sweater and I can't find it. Joyce mm-hmm. will never have fruit punch or brush her hair ever again. Yeah, None of this will ha- – like those, those little things that we glom onto because mm-hmm. it's sometimes the only thing there is to hold on to when the answer to yeah. I don't understand and I don't understand why mm-hmm. is – we don't know. We don't yeah. know. Yeah. It's Where it's is she? Lot. Why can't she oh just God, jump back a- in? It is so yeah. much. It is so much to to kind of uh, wrestle with on the abstract, you know. But when it's specific, when you're talking about somebody that you knew, like somebody who was a, a person and then they're just gone, like yeah. that is a um, – that is always hard to wrap your mind around and to understand and to and to be like okay you know and the thing with Xander that irritated me I got irritated when he punched the wall because I'm like you know what uh, everybody has enough to deal with um Willa doesn't need to have to make a call and try to explain and get her you know taken out of her right. bursar's account or whatever like um <laughs> that that lack of consideration for the people like who have to live there um irritated me and also uh, his snarky like he made a snarky comment to Anya in the beginning when Anya first started saying these things and uh, I was like you know what uh, maybe just fucking once maybe just fucking today Stand by Anya and support her, you know, um, and don't mock her while she's going through this. Um, so that thing irritated me with Xander. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's in the next. I don't remember if he said something to or about her mm-hmm. in the dorm room, but I do. But when they get to the hospital, he does in the dorm room. Yeah, mm-hmm. he says in the in the hospital something. Yeah. she says, "I wish that Joyce didn't die," <laughs> which is just like, oh, like we're all there with right. her, and he's like, uh, "Anya," you know, mm-hmm. and. Come on, man. I know that people make bad choices when they're upset, but come on. Just don't be like, and what I love too is that Buffy looks at her and says, Thank you. Yep. Um, And Jesus Christ. Ah. Try not to cry just talking about it. It is so fucking hard. But that moment when Buffy, who is in the middle of all of this grief, looks at Anya and just says thank you and sees what she was saying for what it was and appreciates it in that moment. Like that is one of the most beautiful moments in this. It's such a small, tiny little thing, you know? It's so tiny because we so often make fun of Anya Mm -hmm. for trying to say the right thing. Like, Anya really is doing her best most of the time. She is she is trying. And every time Anya says something that is deemed tactless or stupid Mm -hmm. by the people around her, she's not setting out to be tactless or stupid. She really is expressing what's going on as best she can. Xander shouldn't know that. Xander is her partner. Xander's supposed to have her back. He knows that she doesn't mean it the way that maybe it comes out, you know? He knows where she's coming from. He should be her translator rather than mock her, you know? And that's the thing that drives me crazy about Xander and his relationship with Anya is that he should be her champion and he is not. Mm -hmm. Um, And that really disappoints. That's one of the most disappointing things for me with Xander. Um, So moving into this next scene, depression, right? Um, Where we're at the morgue. Uh, Buffy, Dawn, and Giles are waiting for the autopsy to be finished. Willow, Tara, Xander, and Anya show up. They all sit together in shock. Dawn goes to the bathroom. She is still angry. Buffy says that she thinks that Dawn doesn't believe her that Joyce is dead. The doctor shows up and says that Joyce died of an aneurysm and she likely didn't feel any pain, which Buffy, of course, reads as a lie. Uh, mm-hmm. Willow, Xander, and Anya go to fetch some snacks from the vending machine, and Tara sits with Buffy and talks about when her own mother died. And Buffy asks if it was sudden, and Tara says no and yes, because it is always mm-hmm. sudden. Um, so this scene... Um, is is kind of it, it it morphs into I think the next uh, the next scene which we uh, which we'll talk about in just a minute where we kind of get back into a more uh, we we kind of smash Buffy's normal expression into this this abnormal space um, but depression this this one act play that they've got here uh, which ends with it's always sudden um, I think yeah. has so much um, so many beautiful moments the the moment when Buffy says to Anya thank you you know um, yep. when they go and they get all of the of the snacks from the vending machine um oh my word it's yeah it's just also sweet but i love so much i love the interaction with uh with tara and buffy um with tara empathizing and talking about her own mother and yeah to to give buffy something to connect with 
you know, because it is it is only in community, right? It, when you are seen for what your experience is, right? When somebody can see what it is that you feel, you know, what it is that you're you're going through. The 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 idea of not being alone, right? It's so incredibly yeah. powerful. And here we are, you know, with um, and I find it really interesting that that Willow is so concerned about the the, sh- the shirt she's going to wear, which doesn't matter, uh, goes and gets all of these things from the vending machine, which doesn't matter, <laughs> while Tara sits down and just sees Buffy. And I think that sits. that's yeah. one of the most healing things that, that she could that anyone could have done. There's some beautiful visual shorthand in that shot mm-hmm. of um buffy and tara sitting together they're sitting on two sections Mm -hmm. of this bench so they're literally they're literally sitting on the same plane Mm -hmm. they're sitting in very much the same position in terms of where their arms and their legs are positioned they're both kind of you know Mm -hmm. very like internal yeah their arms are sort of you know (laughs) keep your keep your arms inside right the the you know, the space of the chair, but Buffy looks just awful as she should. And she's hunched over and sort of folded in on herself. Mm -hmm. And Tara is still very contained Mm -hmm. in the way that Buffy is, but she's sitting up straight. She's sitting with, you know, a straight spine because she's, she's there Mm -hmm. with Buffy, but she's not in the same pain that Buffy is in. Mm -hmm. She's, she is able to, she's able to just sit with her but with this distance, mm-hmm. this little bit of distance from her own similar but different experience. Right. Um, and I love the way she says, I know it's different for you because it's always different. Yeah. Which is so, what, like, fuck, man. I, I mean, that's know. just like the best. Like, that's exactly the thing to say. It's yes. not, you know, oh, I know what you're going through because my mother died when I was 17. Mm-hmm. It's. I know some idea yeah. of what this might feel like. Mm-hmm. And just being that, again, Tara with the magic of like being yeah. a loving presence yeah. is fucking amazing. Um, so good. But I want to zoom back really quickly mm-hmm. to how this act opens. Yeah. Which, first of all, each act opens with a bird's eye view of Joyce's yes. lifeless face, which mm-hmm. is a beautiful choice. It's a connective think, to, tissue between you know, all of these. Mm-hmm. It anchors us in what this, what we are still talking about, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah this is still about mm-hmm. this body yeah. and this scene this this act opens with Joyce post autopsy mm-hmm. being covered with a sheet, and then we enter into the waiting room with the doctor. We yeah. walk with the doctor in this long take out of the morgue, down the mm-hmm. hall, into the hospital waiting area where everyone is waiting, mm-hmm. and that contrasts so beautifully with everyone in the waiting area, where we see everyone sort of arrive, mm-hmm. and it's. It's communicated in these dissolves. So they're hugging each other Mm -hmm. and the hugging is fading into other hugging. We see, you know, Willow and Buffy hug and then it fades into, Mm -hmm. I don't remember who. Although I did notice that Xander hugs Giles like it's no big deal, which thank God, Mm -hmm. thank God, man. Um, And then Anya hugs Giles with all the force of a small child. Oh, God, that is so... And his reaction to her. Oh, God. Yeah. God, it's so sweet. 
And this this act is also where Buffy revisits her fantasy of the miracle of Joyce's possible survival, Mm -hmm. which, you know, ties us back into where we started, which feels like a million years ago by this point. Yes. Mm -hmm. It feels like so long ago. And it's been what? What do you what? A half hour, maybe at this point. Yeah. I mean, in terms of if you think about how long this would take for Buffy to go to school, you know, to to recover oh, enough time in to be able yeah. to go to school, to get Dawn, to meet everybody at the morgue. What? A couple of hours. A few hours, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I can't maybe. imagine like, you know, not that reality is no defense, nor is it a condemnation for fiction. But like the idea that the, the autopsy would happen immediately and they would wait for the doctor to come oh, out after sure. the autopsy. Yeah. Like, that's all ridiculous. But it's but I'm glad they're all there. Like I'm glad right. there's like a process that they're that they're doing. And there's mm-hmm. yeah, and if you're looking for accu- like if you're looking for accuracy in this episode, there are a few things, you know. Yeah, it, the, it's the, not it's not about it's, how it is, it's about how it feels. This yeah. is how it feels. Mm-hmm. And yet, mm-hmm. this is still I think one of the most accurate depictions of the experience. I'm I'm putting air quotes mm-hmm. around natural, but mm-hmm. natural death. Yeah. that we see um certainly on this show, mm-hmm. but you know, yeah. God, on TV in general mm-hmm. in 2001 yeah. when this aired, like there was nothing like this, no. um, which is another reason I love it. It's so <laughs> but, great. But this this act is really interesting in the way that it contrasts the 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 mundane, like what is mundane mm-hmm. for this doctor. You know, he's at work Mm -hmm. as he's performing this autopsy. And then he just walks out of the morgue and into the waiting room like this is part of his job. Meanwhile, this group of people is having this hugely Mm -hmm. emotional experience. He does this every day as part of his as part of his work. And they do this Mm -hmm. never. This is, you know, Buffy says, like, Mm -hmm. obviously, I've never done this before. Um, Oh, God. And the 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 bridging the two mm-hmm. when Giles takes over the paperwork. Yeah. Oh God. That breaks my heart. That breaks my heart in a million pieces. Yeah. It's because so, it's such an act of love, you know? And also holy fucking shit mm-hmm. that you have to deal with paperwork. The mundanity of paperwork. Sure, when somebody has died, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's I mean, it's it's wonderful, mm-hmm. um, but the depression piece, mm-hmm. you know, if we're going on theme yeah. of Buffy, you know, Willow is encouraging Buffy to eat. Yep. Buffy doesn't want to eat. You know, Dawn is going to the bathroom, and mm-hmm. I think Buffy asks her if she needs any help, and mm-hmm. she says, I still remember how to pee, pee. <laughs> which just, again, mm-hmm. my heart, yeah. my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, but the that... Oh, God, that magic of just being together mm-hmm. when something yeah. unthinkable has happened. Um, yeah. I mean, it is. Damn. That whole sense of community, you know, is so mm-hmm. important. And um, and this is like and the the when you see Buffy, like you were talking about Buffy sitting next to Tara, you know, mm-hmm. and how with how drawn you know, Buffy looks, how small, oh, how, how, you know, um, almost collapsing in on herself, you know, she looks. Yeah. But then Tara is there with her. And that's the thing, like, to try to make somebody feel better, 
you know, which honestly, like, I'm not going to lie, is my go-to. I am the <laughs> I am the jester that comes in and distracts you with shiny things. Like, that generally tends to be my role. But the power of sitting in the dark with somebody and saying, I see you and I see what you're going through and it's terrible mm-hmm. um, and yeah. not trying to make it better. The power of that, like, actually does make it better um, because it's it's knowing that it's being alone in something like this is where it is truly, truly the hardest, you know, and and for Buffy to not be alone and for Tara to be the one who gives her that, you know, um, I think is just it's so beautifully expressed. Um, so then we move into act five, acceptance, right? Yeah. I have always hated this part of all of the body. Really? This has always been my okay. least favorite. But now that I'm looking at it through this lens, I actually like it a lot more. Um, through the lens of the five stages of grief? It's, it's or... not just the five stages of grief, but that it is, we open up this episode separating from every day life on Buffy, like what an everyday episode of Buffy is. Um, And the thing, the thing that I like about the end of this, I always hated it because it fell out of like, you know, uh, Dawn goes into the morgue. She tries to reach to take the um, sheet off of Joyce's face. Um, She decides not to do it. And then a body rises up in the background. It's clearly a vampire rising. Mm -hmm. Um, It's been recently autopsied. Um, And then she's attacked. So Buffy, um, who is out, you know, um, in in the, in the waiting room area has a sense that something is wrong. She finds Dawn. She kills the vampire. And so we have a vampire slain. We have Buffy fighting. And it feels like in this episode, like that just does not belong. Um, then we get uh, through the course of the fight. The sheet was pulled off of Joyce. Her face is exposed. Dawn stands up and reaches her hand out. And before she can make contact, we cut to black, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I always hated this part because it felt out of phase with the rest of it. Why in this viewing, I suddenly get it and I understand <laughs> is is that it it is the fact that regular life does not wait for you to get over it. Regular life does yeah. not give you the time and the space to process everything. Um, regular life will find you and it is going to smash right into that existence. And so Buffy's regular life is slaying vampires, right? Um, And yet here she is in this environment where she doesn't have a wooden stake and she doesn't have the tools that she usually has. And she is already, you know, so diminished. I mean, remember how tiny she looks in the scene before, you know, it's almost as if they actually shot her to look tinier. I mean, Sarah Michelle Gellar is not a huge woman to begin with, but I mean, she's, you know, she looks so tiny. Um, And uh, so here she is going back into, like having her regular world smashed into her in this violent, cold, um, you know, clinical way and in a clinical space and she uses a sharp metal you know medical uh saw to i think it's a bone a bone saw to take off the head and to kill the vampire so she she does that all while dawn is staring at her mother's face 
you know? And then we have this shot where we see Buffy, you know, she's on the ground, she's panting, she's just fucking trying to get through the goddamn day, you know? (laughs) She goes up, she lifts up off the floor, and then we pull out and we see Dawn's face come into the shot, and then we pull out more and we see Joyce's face come into the shot, and we have these three women, you know? And Dawn reaches out and doesn't touch, we don't see her connect with her mother because you cannot... You cannot ever connect again. That even if she touches the face, her mother is not there. Yeah. Um, And so in this moment, like thinking about this as the acceptance, right? Acceptance is this moment where life continues. Your life is going to pick up and it's going to be violent and it's going to force you back into the day to day, even when everything else is wrong and broken. Um. So this is the this is the watch. This is the, I've seen this episode. I don't even know how many times. <laughs> this is the watch when I have finally made my peace with that ending. Um, when I understand that ending, I have always resented the fuck out of regular everyday bursting its way into this moment for yep. Buffy. But the reality is that's the experience. That's what regular yep. life does. Yeah, And so I finally get it and I finally understand it. And now I kind of love it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I love the contrast, you know, just just to wrap up Mm -hmm. the difference on the show between I keep saying natural death. And Mm -hmm. that sounds judgmental and problematic to me. But I guess what I mean is mundane death and supernatural death. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. We have to bring a vampire into it, Mm -hmm. not because this is Buffy's reality. And of course, Mm -hmm. you know, life goes on. That's Mm -hmm. been visually and auditorily Mm -hmm. reinforced throughout the episode, right? Life goes on, Mm -hmm. regardless of where you are mentally or emotionally. But it's also the two kinds of death, Mm -hmm that we deal with or rather don't deal with on Buffy. We are used to this one kind of death that is supernatural, undead, demons, you know, Mm -hmm. the slayer doing her slayer duty. But there's this whole other world of death that we literally cannot touch, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's just not, we can't wrap our minds around it in the same way mm-hmm. that we can, as odd as it is, you yeah. know, a, a body rising mm-hmm. from the dead as a vampire. Yeah. Um, I love that the chapter on acceptance starts with Dawn taking herself to the morgue. Thank you very yes. much. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, she has been asking to see the body mm-hmm. and not not quite shot down, but kind of... Yeah. Eclipsed out of the conversation mm-hmm. until finally she's just like, fine. No. Yeah. I'm fine. I'll go on my own. <laughs> right. Um, there's something brilliant about about the Scoobies coming back with everything mm-hmm. from the vending machine. Mm-hmm. We panicked. Yeah. <laughs> and Buffy just says, uh huh. <laughs> Which is an acceptance mm-hmm. both of the situation yeah. and also of her friends mm-hmm. and how they. Yeah. You know, when they don't know what to do, they do everything, Mm -hmm. which is very sweet. And I just love the little coda that Anya gives us of the sandwiches are meat. Oh, (laughs) God. I love that. I don't know why that's so good, but it really is. It really is. Yeah. And when Buffy goes, when Buffy goes after Dawn, Mm -hmm. there's something, something struck me 
about the sign that's on the door that says authorized personnel only. Mm-hmm. Um, and what an interesting reminder that is. Yeah. That caring for the dead used to be the job of the family. Mm-hmm. And in some parts of the world, it still yeah. is. Mm-hmm. And here there's this long hallway. There's this door, mm-hmm. this very official door yeah. and yeah. long hallway that separates these two young women mm-hmm. from the from the reality and therefore the acceptance mm-hmm. of the fact that their mother is no longer yeah alive um you know and that god that that last little bit where dawn looking at looking at joyce says is she cold and buffy doesn't answer the question she says it's not her yeah and dawn says where'd she go mm-hmm. and this like, oh, it's so heartbreaking. Yeah. Because of course that's been the question all along. Like mm-hmm. we can't Yeah. You know, where did she go? Right. Mm-hmm. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know. It's I I also have mixed feelings about the vampire rising in the morgue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um but I I wonder also if we're supposed to. Right. If we're yeah. supposed to be, because it feels annoying. It does. <laughs> in a way. It really I'm does. I'm like annoyed. It feels out of phase of, with the rest of it, you know? Yeah. I'm annoyed on behalf of Buffy mm-hmm. and and Dawn, but also on behalf of the story. Like, yeah. part of me is like, come on, narrative. But, right. But I but like it, also, it. It's experiential. Yeah. This whole this whole episode is extremely experiential in that it translates the experience of this into, you know, light and sound, you know, mm-hmm. um, that that allows us to feel what it feels like. And yeah. when whatever your vampire is, you know, shows up after yep. you're dealing with all of this shit, um, it is irritating like that. It is annoying like that. And I think that that is a an accurate expression of the experience, you know, and and so even though it's always irritated me, it's always annoyed me. I think that it's supposed to I think that that is the intent of it. Um, and in that case, I think it's absolutely well done. Yeah, I think it's I think it's meant to be kind mm-hmm. of irritating. Yeah. Um, you know, especially after all of this emotional mm-hmm. mental and emotional anguish yeah uh we have a physical fight yeah. at the end of the episode which if you hadn't noticed mm-hmm. the lack of non-diegetic music like when the fight starts mm-hmm. holy shit we're right back it's like oh yeah what a fight mm-hmm. sounds like and feels like mm-hmm. without the you know but 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 you know it's like it is a different experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. But even in grief, I mean, the body of the Slayer is still on duty. Yeah. She doesn't get a break right. from fighting just right. because her mom's dead. Yeah. It sucks. Oh, God. No, it's so incredibly powerful and so well done. Um, all right. So let's let's wrap all this up. You had some really, like, fascinating insights into kind of this episode as a whole. So now that we've gone through all of the sections, I'd really like to hand it over to you so that you can kind of, like, share all these thoughts you've been having with us. I have lots of thoughts mm-hmm. about this episode, um, you know, some of which I've gotten into already. Mm-hmm. But there are... You know, this this episode is pointedly not mm-hmm. a very special episode of yes. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It deals with death, which is very normal mm-hmm. and mundane yeah. in a lot of ways, but has 
a huge impact on the lives mm-hmm. of everyone who knew that person. Right. So we get this real, there's this real push-pull mm-hmm. of death and what that means and how grief can create mm-hmm. a heightened state that makes everything that is not related to the grief, for example, yeah. Xander's parking ticket, right. seem wholly insignificant. Yes. Um, you know, something like dropping the pie mm-hmm. on Christmas, you know, Christmas night or Christmas, you know, for Christmas dinner in the moment, mm-hmm. in that, you know, in the context of that Christmas dinner, burning the pie mm-hmm. and then dropping it was probably among the worst things imaginable for the moment. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. But of course, the worst thing imaginable yeah. is so context specific and malleable. Yes. Um, and I think that that's something that the 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 way the entire episode is shot, mm-hmm. the number of overhead or bird's eye view or long shots that we get mm-hmm. that gives this it gives the zooming out to zoom in mm-hmm. sort of sense of, you know, life goes on yeah. over and over and over again. The episode through visuals, through sound reinforces the idea that, mm-hmm. you know, you are very much while you've got these grief blinders on mm-hmm. and, you know, the most important thing right now is is having the blue sweater mm-hmm. or, you know, going to the school or whatever it is. Yeah. Life is going on and it's, it is so difficult to grapple with. Mm -hmm. It's one of the many things that's difficult to grapple with. Um, But something I got curious about in this episode was the idea of bodies in the body. Mm -hmm. Uh, I talk a lot on this show about the physicality of the characters Mm -hmm. because that's just something I'm super, super into. Um, but in an episode called The Body, mm-hmm. it seemed, I don't know, especially noteworthy mm-hmm. to look at representations of physicality mm-hmm. and what that means in connection with who we are mm-hmm. as individuals. And there's this lovely through line, this little thread of the physical body mm-hmm. And, and the relationship of that to our person that kind of flows through the whole episode, um, which I'll take us through really, really quickly. Yeah. You know, starting with Christmas dinner, mm-hmm. where we're talking about fullness and the deliciousness of food and throwing up because <laughs> of the deliciousness of food. Um, you know, intoxication, when Dawn says she may have gotten some nog with rum in it, mm-hmm. physical touch. Tara says to or Aww. yeah, Tara says to Willow, want me to rub your tummy because <laughs> she's too full. Um, and Dawn, when they're discussing Santa Claus, says, hello, puberty, mm-hmm. as though the physical connection, yeah. the, you know, the physical change is connected to the mental emotional change, mm-hmm. right, of the belief in Santa Claus, right. um, which, of course, is a discussion about growing mm-hmm. up stages of life believing in something mystical in this way which of course Anya lovingly explains (laughs) no it's it's real this is a real thing well also that he disembowels like that Santa Claus disembowels disembowels young children that that is also like an incredibly like what's what's more like literally visceral 
than the disembowelment, yep. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And talking about real, you know, talking about Santa Claus is talking about what, what is real and what mm-hmm. isn't. And in this case, real in the sense of being corporeal. Yeah. Right. Being embodied. Yeah. Because you could easily make the argument and, you know, many a Christmas movie has that Santa Claus is real in the sense that a shared belief, yeah. a shared cultural story makes something real, a shared metaphor makes mm-hmm. something real. But the reality that the Scoobies are discussing around the Christmas dinner table is real in the sense of being a person yeah. and having a body. Yeah. And in this case, of course, Santa Claus is Um You know, which brings us a few minutes later to Buffy's conversation with the 911 operator about Joyce being cold. Mm -hmm. When the operator says the body is cold and Buffy blanches and says, no, my mom. What is the relationship Mm -hmm. between a person's physicality and the reality of their existence? Mm -hmm. And if those two things, if those two things are the same, then what happens when someone dies and how do we navigate this transition from embodied to a body yeah. um which buffy you know we we see buffy try to wrap her mind around that just a few moments later pulling down joyce's skirt yeah. before the uh paramedics arrive and that that is a gesture that's about the dignity of the person mm-hmm. it's this tiny little gesture that speaks to Buffy's relationship to the physical body of this person that she loves. Um, And for anyone who likes to nerd out about that kind of thing, about the relationship between our bodies Mm -hmm. and the body of a deceased person, um, I recommend uh, Here If You Need Me, which is a book by Kate Braystrup. Mm -hmm. She is a... um, She's a Unitarian Universalist minister. Mm. So if God talk is not your thing, mm-hmm. maybe skip it. Mm-hmm. But she has some wonderful she has some wonderful things to say about those relationships, mm-hmm. like what it means to care for the body of a deceased yeah. loved one. Um, and then of course, just to continue, you know, the physicality of this experience for Buffy, her body, her physical body responds to the stress by vomiting, mm-hmm. which, of course, is a tragic echo of the threat of sickness yeah. after Christmas dinner <laughs> as she's making that same yeah. journey yeah. into the kitchen mm-hmm. that that she made in the Christmas flashback. Mm-hmm. But it's telling Giles we're not supposed to move the body that seems to jostle Buffy out of her calm shock mm-hmm. and into actual grief for the first time. This mm-hmm. is her first moment of a glimmer of acceptance mm-hmm. of the reality of the situation. And it shows up as a changed relationship to her mother's physical form. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's the power of naming, referring to Joyce as the body. Yes. She becomes the remains of a person, which is an interesting twist on the objectification of last week. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Because in death, someone becomes a body. Right. Which is a testament to both a permanence of death and their former humanity. Mm-hmm. And vampires, as we're reminded in the final moments of this episode, leave nothing behind when their afterlives come to an end. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of dust, right. but it's almost as though they were never there. Yeah. yeah. Well, Joyce, on the other hand, was very much, yeah. <laughs> very much was there. Mm-hmm. And that is what's so confusing to Dawn and the Scoobies. 
You know, Buffy says of the body in the morgue, it's not her. And Dawn asks, where did she go? And there's no answer. Yeah. Except to cut to black as though the visual medium itself is saying, I don't know. Right. Yeah. Um, Dawn's act, you know, the, the, the scene, the sequence that takes place at the high Mm -hmm. school, if we're looking for physicality there, it's much more about language than about actual physicality. Although the subject of what emotions and specifically what crying do to a person's face Mm -hmm. (laughs) is a topic of discussion. Um, Dawn says she looks like a wet rat after crying. And the pro- the the subject of processing stress through the body via self-harm comes up as well. Mm-hmm. As Dawn is in art class and not drawing the body of the statue at the front of the room, but the space around it, as mm-hmm. we talked about. Yeah. Um, so here in high school, metaphorically, bodies are about looks, but they're also the site of pain and anxiety, which is something to be managed or fought against or dissociated from Mm -hmm. in the sense of you know that image of the space around the statue Mm -hmm. in dawn's drawing it's it's a different take on the physicality that makes us real but i think it really speaks to where dawn is Mm -hmm. mentally and emotionally especially as connected to being the key, yeah. worrying that she's not real, yeah. and taking that anxiety out on her own physical form. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, then we go to Willow changing clothes, mm-hmm. which is about showing up physically for someone, right? Mm-hmm. She wants to look right, right. <laughs> whatever that means. Um, what it means to show up physically for someone in a loving way mm-hmm. with how you present yourself. And Tara echoes that by comforting Willow physically, holding her and kissing her, Mm -hmm. which is something we talked about already. Um, They have this sweet little moment that that plays like an in-joke where Willow says strong like an Amazon, which I think is a reference to the Frank song Amazon, Mm -hmm. which is largely about the achievements of female athletes. And about their physical bodies. Mm-hmm. I mean, she opens the song by singing about muscles, uh. like literal physical muscles. Mm-hmm. So in other words, strong like an Amazon physically. Yeah. Again, it's about the living physical body. And of course, Xander punches the wall. Not my favorite, mm-hmm. not your favorite. Yeah. But again, moving grief and upset through right. the body. Mm-hmm. And when he manages to get his hand out of the wall, then there's this shot where everyone just quietly like looks at his hand. And the blood. And it's bloody. Mm -hmm. And Tara says it hurts. Oh, God. And it's this shared recognition of Mm -hmm. what Anya has been talking about. You know, Xander is in pain and bleeding, but he's going to wash his hand off and get a Band-Aid and he's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. And Joyce's body no longer functions this way Mm -hmm. and again how do we process this how do we how do we understand the relationship between our living bodies and our experience of grief Mm -hmm. and the body of this person who was and now somehow is no longer um and then moving into the hospital of course everyone hugs and the hugs the physical touch and comfort dissolve into one another so we're hugging 
in a group, but it's mm-hmm. kind of a blur. Yeah. <laughs> um, Willow suggests, of course, that Buffy eats something and then goes with Anya and Xander to hunt and gather all the vending machine foods. <laughs> and Dawn has to pee, mm-hmm. which is, you know, like so vulnerable. <laughs> and so very so vulnerable. Yes. Very embodied. Mm-hmm. And her sweet, I know I, I called it out already, but it just, there's something so, so nuanced in the anger and the frustration and the sadness of her saying, I still remember how to pee. Right. Um, and of course, you know, the episode ends with a physical fight. Mm-hmm. We started with a physical bone crack of Buffy attempting CPR on her mother and ends with the physical crack yeah. of this bone saw going through a vampire's neck. Yeah. And it's the same, mm-hmm. but not. And the body of a slayer is always on duty. Yeah. No matter what. Mm-hmm. No matter what. Dawn is trying to grapple with the emotional reality of what's going on. And of course, it's her physical mm-hmm. self that is in danger from this vampire. It's it's a tricky it's a tricky thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we and and there are no answers. And that is part of what makes it so so wonderful yeah no it is it's really like beautifully expressed and i love that whole run that you just did i think that was amazing and thank you i love you um i love you too (laughs) all right so noelle here we are at an exhausting hour and a half of talking about the body (laughs) and processing our grief um what is your favorite part of this oh my god what is my favorite part that is hard it is hard Um, it's hard to pick a favorite part. I think it's I think it is the bargaining yeah. act. I think it's the yeah. Scoobies all trying to rally and not knowing how and oh god. Oh god, I know what my favorite part yeah. is. I know what my favorite part is. When Xander and Anya show up mm-hmm. and Xander asks Willow how she's doing. Oh. And She's got her arms folded across her chest and she just kind of shakes her head and rolls her eyes Mm -hmm. in this way that's so recognizable. Like, there are no words for how I'm doing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think that's my favorite part. Yeah, there's so much here. Like, I... I really kind of love all of it and trying to pick out my favorite part. Like I, I, I get the, like the kiss with Willow and Tara, I think is possibly one of my favorite parts. But when Tara says it's always sudden and sits with Buffy, um, when Buffy says thank you to Anya, yeah. when Anya pulls the blue sweater out and shoves it in the drawer, when Willow puts up her dukes and says, come fight me. <laughs> yes. And then Xander says, you know, I couldn't take you. <laughs> Yep. Um, so yeah, like there's there's five right there. Like it's all right. You know, it's all so incredibly, incredibly good and incredibly powerful, and really one of the most beautiful episodes of television that has ever been made. And there are a lot of amazing episodes of television in this series. There's a reason yeah. why so many people are still talking about Buffy twenty years later. And um, yep. And this is a big part of it. All right, this episode of Still Pretty was brought to you by the Chipperish Media Producers who support us on Patreon at the power producer level. These people are the reason why Still Pretty is coming to you free and ad-free right now. So thank you to our July producers, Abigail, Alice, Erica, Rose, Jonathan, Kristen, Sarah, and Shelley.
To find out how you too can support Chipperish Media, visit patreon.com slash chipperish. We will be back next time with Forever, the 17th episode of season five. We'll see you then.